you're rocking the, the jet green right now. Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were Rich Eisen. The second movie, I see Brad Hirschberg <laughs> being your father. Dennis Miller. The autumn wind is caused by global warming. <laughs> Uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmeyer. I do love watching Tebow play. I mm-hmm. gotta say, he just he combines all the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and uh... I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Bud Light. A wild, wild card weekend in the books leading to a monster divisional weekend coming up. What an Elite Eight remains in the National Football League. For the first time ever, four Super Bowl MVPs are playing on the same divisional playoff weekend. It all kicks off with Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints, your 2009 Super Bowl MVP going to San Francisco for a monster 2-3 game. What a great way to kick it all off on Divisional Saturday that caps off with Super Bowl MVP two times over. Tom Brady hosting, yes, Tim Tebow and the Denver Broncos on Saturday night. What a way for Tim Tebow and the Broncos to advance to that game. More on that in a moment. And then the wild card, the Divisional weekend finishes up with the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Houston Texans, who have a rookie, third-string, fifth-round-choice quarterback and T.J. Yates going into that place where T-Sizzle and Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Haloti Nada are going to be licking their chops to try and move on to the AFC Championship game. Uh, and then the weekend finishes up with Super Bowl MVP from 2007, Eli Manning and the New York Giants in Green Bay, in a playoff game for the first time since 2007 when Eli won that game against Brett Favre in his final game as a Green Bay Packer to get to the Super Bowl to earn that MVP trophy against the New England Patriots, taking on last year's Super Bowl champ and reigning Super Bowl MVP Aaron Rodgers. What a weekend of football awaits. And um, it's I must the best give, weekend of football of the year. I was just about to bring you in, Chris Brockman, my television podcast producer, and Chris Law, my audio podcast yes, producer, sir. and Mike Del Tufo back, back. in the mix. Look it's out. good to be back. Good oh to my see God. you, my mix master. Ooh, we had fun with the eight games, though. I yeah, have to admit, you were on the road. Ooh. So same with you, Brockman. You were removed from this assignment to do um, higher calling. Although I don't agree with that. He was working with sort Tim of Tebow. management decision. I'm a team player. You just can't get rid of me. He I'm, work, I'm just he here was working with Tim Tebow. Law, you know I've told you this. I don't know what I'd do without you. <laughs> um, but Brockman, I was going to bring you in because uh, on last week's podcast, you predicted the Denver Broncos would beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're the only person and, I've heard. And who, you mocked me for it. Well, Rich. I mocked you for it because you, as people can hear in your voice and your goodwill hunting sort of lilt in your voice – that you are a New Englander through and through, a Maine person, through. a New Englander. You know, you're. Uh, I don't want to use the 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 M word um, that that ends with 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 whole. No, oh, can you say that? You can bleep. Well, wow. go, you bleep, bleep it, it out. out. I bleep it you out, are so. you are the very definition of a mass. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. So I'll I accuse admit, you of being a to, homer. I'll admit to driving like a mass. Okay, but which means you you exit on. Uh, I mean, you exit off on ramps. Right, I can get from the left lane to the right lane, and I'll a, tell you something. My my, my parents uh, took me and my brother 
along with my uh, my aunt and uncle and two cousins, uh, my mom's sister, years and years ago in the mid-70s, we went to Boston to, to do the whole um, excursion to see all of the uh, historical landmarks in that awesome town. Of which there are many. Awesome. Tons of them, right? Obviously, it drips right. with American history. Um, we stayed, we stayed, I don't know why we did, but we stayed in Bentley college. We got like these rooms in Bentley college. My dad was like a college advisor. I don't know how he got a deal, but we stayed, I don't know why we did what we did. We stayed in Bentley college and I will never forget, um, that we left. I I think it must've been Starro drive or something like that. Does that make sense? Starro drive is a very popular and famous Uh, thorough. It's not a, it's not a street, right? It's, it's a, it's, It's it's a winding you can get the Fenway from Star right, Drive. Correct, right. right? I mean, but it is it is sort of like, I don't want to call it a freeway. It's not a free. What is, what is it? It's no, like a, it's a highway? Is it what it is? What is no, it? No. There's no highways really in Boston okay. except for 90, well, 93. Well, anyway, we're, we're, it's probably 95 going through town. That's probably what it was. And we, we are exiting. Uh, we're, we're going off uh, and, and some old woman is coming on as we're exiting. I'll never forget that. Like we, we all screamed and yelled. That was my, <laughs> my first Boston experience. Very long-winded way of saying that, yes. Merge at your own risk. Anyway, the reason why I bring all this up (laughs) is numerologists are going crazy Crazy. over Tim Tebow because, you know, he is, as we all know, a very religious young man who, prior to his uh, NFL career in Florida, had a huge career where he wore underneath his eyes and his eye black. You know, as Reggie Bush used to have uh, the 619, right, his, 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 his area code from from his childhood underneath his eyes. Uh, he used to have John three sixteen right. under his eyes. He he wrote the the um, the, hist- the what the biblical the Bible verse. Yes. Uh, you know the Bible verse. Yep. I'm a, I'm a Jew. Help me out here, will you please? <laughs> okay. okay. All right. So uh, he had John three sixteen in his playoff win. He threw for three hundred and sixteen yards. He completed only ten passes, which means his average per pass was a record setting thirty one point. Six Correct. yards. He did it for two Johns, Coach Fox and General Manager and VP Elway. Right. So there's two John 316s. Ooh. One thing that people may not know is when you made your prediction last week, at what what point of the podcast, Chris Brockman, did well, you make that prediction last week? Uh, shortly after the Broncos' victory on Sunday night, Chris Law and I were tweeting back and forth to each other. Yes. And he happened to remember that I made such a bold prediction. Yes, you did. He went back and listened to the podcast, and the prediction roughly takes place at the 3 minute no, and 16 mark. No, it doesn't. Are you serious? Your questioning of his prediction takes place exactly at wow. 316. So when he says, I think the Broncos are going to win, and I called BS on him, right. at th- BS. that whole exchange occurred. You you hit the pause button, and it is three minutes and 16 seconds yes. into Yeah, If you just fast forward podcast. right to 316, you'll hear you saying that you, that don't, you don't think you is. You're basically calling me out for picking the Broncos because I'm a homer for the Patriots. It's a bit of a stretch, but it's still a 316. It's another one. Yeah. Wow. That is craziness, man. I, I'm not going to pick him this weekend. Of course not, because it's against your Patriots now. I no, I mean, it's look, it's had, he's him. had a great run. I'll take him. Well, to be fair and balanced on this podcast, Mark Wahlberg, big Patriot fan. He's got a new movie, Contraband, coming out. Uh, he's on. He's going to phone in. I we'll think see, he's in we'll New see Orleans. We'll which see is what where, he says. Well, you know what he's going to say, because wow. uh, he's a big Patriot fan. He's been on, He came on last year when he was promoting The Fighter. Um, that was the week leading up to the Jets Patriot game. 
yeah. that Monday, night, Monday game. night game. Yes. You know, it was leading up to that. I think the, the premiere of it was, was, was right then and there. And that right? movie turned out to do pretty well. It did. It did. Uh, so he was on last, last year promoting The Fighter. Now he's going to come on promoting Contraband. And uh, we know what, that's, what he's going to say there. But to be fair and balanced, Champ Bailey is going to join the podcast. Champ Bailey. Lots to ask him. Lots to ask him from having the front row seat of, of seeing all this play out in front of him with Tebow and that offense to going into New England. Do I bring up, how do I bring up the, uh, the interception of Brady and Ben Watson knocking him out of bounds? Uh, yeah. do, do I bring that up? You got to. Do I really? I how so. can I do that? He got blown up, too, when he got... Well, I know. Well, why would he expect a tight end to be coming up from behind him 100 yards away? Across the field, yeah, too. Yeah. Why would he expect a tight end with a head of steam? Um, so we'll talk about that game from, bo- from both angles, player, fan aspect of it. Um, as for the NFC side of things, Jim Morris Sr., he joins us from New Orleans. We got two guests. We got one calling in from New Orleans, right? Right. And we got... Um, Jim Morris Sr. in New Orleans, in freaking New Orleans, where he's been doing some work every time the Saints play a big game. Uh, he goes down there and works with, I believe, the local NBC affiliate from where WDSU, he will be joining us yes. from there. So we want to talk about playoffs. What a week of football New him. Orleans has had. I know, right? Yeah. Well, he was at the, I think he's at the, he was yeah, at the, the National Sugar Championship Bowl, game. We got to National ask him about Championship that. Championship and the Saints Lions. The Sugar Bowl. Who won that one? Who won that one? <laughs> Who won that one? I forget. Should we cue my son singing the Michigan fight song right now <laughs> on the Dan Patrick radio show? Let's do it. Let's do it. School spirit from my three and a half year old. Dan Patrick had him get on the phone to sing the Michigan fight song. And my, my son almost didn't do it, as you'll hear, and then <laughs> sort of fought his way through it. Uncle Dan's on the phone. Can you sing the Michigan fight song for him? No. Hold oh. on a minute. Dora the Explorer's on right now. Hold on a minute. Can you sing the Michigan fight song, please, real quick? Go for it. No, I don't want to. Ready? Yes, I'm ready. Go, go, Uncle Dan. Okay. Go for it. All right, what do you think? That was great. That was Not bad. Good. Pretty good. Huh? That's my three and a half year old son on National Radio. Coming from a Notre Dame fan, I'll give him credit. That was a good no. Michigan fight song. No. <laughs> Even you begrudge your three and a half year old his school, no, his daddy's great. school spirit. He did a good job. Now, Thank what you, we Mike. didn't play there was when you first asked him yeah. to do it. He goes, "No, I don't want and to." Dora the Explorer. I know, but petulant <laughs> side of my three year old son came out on the radio and he was watching Dora the Explorer. You know how many texts and emails I got from friends saying your son watches Dora the Explorer. Pop in He-Man. I watch it. He-Man. But he normally normally he's all over Sesame Street. Normally he's all over Busy Town Mysteries. I don't know if you guys ever read Richard Scarry books. Did you ever Richard Scarry books? No. Nope. Oh, boy, you're missing out. But anyway, he's normally over both of those things. Very manly cartoon, very manly shows. Um, he's in touch, Rich. He's in touch. He's in t- <laughs> At least it wasn't My Little Ponies. Dora the Explorer's Well, Dora the Explorer is a, a couple shades above My Little, My Little Pony. Oh, or right. Hello Kitty. If it wasn't Hello Kitty, right? Let's focus on what's important here. Um, so, um, yeah, that was fun. So, yeah, Michigan did win the Sugar Bowl, and then came the Saints and the Lions, then came the National Championship game. 
that was an ugly affair towards the end. Although I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching the defensive struggle early on, but after a while, it was like somebody going to score. How many of those? That was like a combine preview with the amount of defensive guys playing. You are not wrong. Yeah. In the are not wrong. We're going to be game. talking about a lot of those oh, kids, yeah. if not this guys. February, then future February. Courtney Upshaw is a beast. Yeah. For sure. And uh, it, it appears that the predecessor, uh, Nick Saban's a predecessor to a new uh, Dolphin head coach. We'll talk about that with Michael Lombardi here on this podcast. Michael's also going to talk about uh, the, the playoff games. And he, I believe he had the Steelers going to the Super Bowl when he was last on. We're going to ask him to replace that. And then uh, also Hugh Jackson, Ooh. former Raider head coach. Freshly the former Raider head coach in studio. I am looking forward to hear what he has to say. Well, he had a lot to say to our friend Michael Silver of Yahoo. Yes, he did. He's been on this podcast quite a bit, talking about how um, Mark Davis wanted a clean house, son of Al. But it just does sound like um, Reggie McKenzie, the new general manager there, just wanted to say any, any, any remnant of Al Davis short of his son, and Amy Trask, the president, and everyone else who's above him, uh, I imagine is going to be gone. So uh, we'll talk about all that with Hugh. All about that with Hugh. So uh, let's get things started here on the podcast. Pleased to have on the Rich Eisen podcast right now, uh, Hugh Jackson here on the program. Good to see you, Coach. Hey, Rich. How you doing? I'm doing fine. So uh, I guess I'll start macro with okay. you. The whole uh, What happened? <laughs> if, well, if so, I'm sure a lot of friends and family will ask you, what happened? So well, I guess I'll just ask you, what happened in your estimation? Well, I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, didn't win enough games, didn't get to the playoffs. Um, and uh, I think um, once uh, Mark seen where the franchise was, I think after he hired Reggie, I think he made a decision just to uh, give Reggie the opportunity to bring in his own head coach. Mark Davis, yes. son of Al. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, did Mark inform you of, of this, or how did, how did this all dawn upon you uh, no, that, it was, that this was happening? No, Reggie told me. Uh, I came in on, on Monday, and uh, I think it was Tuesday. I'm right. getting my days mixed up yeah, a I know. Bit here. They all bleed. And, trust me, in the NFL, <laughs> as you know, they all blend together. And uh, I went in and talked to Reggie. Reggie was very uh, forthcoming and upfront and said, hey, Hugh, you know, I'm just going to go in a different direction. I want to hire my own guy. And at the end of the day, I have to respect that. Sure. You know, I, I know that any time a GM comes in, that possibly could happen. And that's what happened. Right. And when you went into that meeting with mm-hmm. Reggie McKenzie, uh, did you go in thinking this could happen or you could walk out of there thinking we're, we're heading off to the combine. I'm going East West shrine. I'm going mm-hmm. the whole ball of wax to get things started. Is well, that... I thought anything could happen. Right. You know, you just never know. You hope for the best. And if it doesn't go that way, then you got to accept it and move forward. But I thought anything could happen at that time. Right. And when, when it did happen, Mm-hmm. Um, I know you you spoke to a local reporter. You spoke to Mike Silver, mm-hmm. and and it seemed that you were uh, obviously emotional about it, as anyone would be when when this sort of thing happened. Um, do you regret any of the things that you said in, um, in some of these interviews? I think sometimes I think people write you know what they want to write. Mm-hmm. There are some things I said that were very forthcoming. There are some things I didn't say mm-hmm. the way that they were, um, not putting the writers down, but. I think, um, yeah, I mean, you, when, you, when you're emotional, sure. you always wish you could go back 
and take some things back that you said. But I think anybody in that situation could understand that was sure. a tough time. I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I read all these comments from, from coaches who were let go, mm-hmm. and their statements are put on the official website. Right. <laughs> you know, and you read Absolutely. it. And I think to myself, I really would love to see <laughs> a true statement. <laughs> Right. A true statement right. of emotional speaking from the heart. And mm-hmm. in a way, you delivered some of it. You know, you delivered some of what you were thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and part of that also happened after your week 17 loss to the San Diego Chargers. Do you think at all that your comments after that game in week 17 uh, gave uh, Mark Davis and whomever he was hiring uh-huh. a little bit of space and political cover to let you go. You know what, Rich? It could be. I mean, I don't, um, at the end of the day, because I truly, when you look at it, anything could have been the one thing that turned it the other way. Uh, do I wish I could have did it different? Yeah. I mean, when I normally, after a game, I normally go in and shower and put on my suit yeah. and then go talk. On that particular day, I didn't do that. Um I was emotional. Um, it was a it was a big game for our football team. You know, the f- opportunity to have a nine win season for the first time since '02. Opportunity to win the AFC West outright. Mm-hmm. Uh, to host a playoff game at home the next week. Um, to honor Al Davis's death. Um, to have an opportunity to again have the fans come because we sold out all of our home games. So there was a lot riding on it, and to not play like I thought we could. I think what spilled out of me was the emotional side, but I think everybody took that wrong. What I was trying to relay uh, is the same thing I told my team. You know, was I uh, disappointed and pissed off was the term I used after the game? Yes, that's the same thing I told them. But when I said I wanted to be involved in every aspect of the football team, offensively, defensively, and special teams, I was saying that because I hadn't had an opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. This was Al Davis's team, you know, and whether it was the coaching staff to the players, this is what he wanted on the football team. Um, and so I thought uh, the point I was trying to make that moving forward, that I was going to be able to hopefully, whether it be staffing, whether it be players, whether it be scheme, schematically, whatever, mm-hmm. I can now make those changes because the 2011 season had already been in place and had already started and wasn't going to change. So at, that's where I was coming at from. At that point, had you already been told by Mark Davis uh and also uh, Amy Trask or whoever within management that they were going to go and look for a general manager. Did you know that already by by the final throws yeah. of December? Oh, I knew I knew that there possibly would be a general manager coming in. Mm-hmm. And uh, who it was, I had no idea. But um, I thought, you know, that maybe whoever it was, I would get an opportunity to talk to him. That's all I wanted because right. I know if you don't, there's a pretty good chance you're probably not going to be there. You know, right. that you had to have some kind of connection to even have an opportunity to still be there as the coach. Did you want a, a, a role in choosing the general manager? Did no. you ask for that? No. What I asked for is an opportunity to talk. Because if it's going to be a general manager coming in, and yeah. if you have no conversation with him, then in my mind, as a coach, as a head coach of a team, you have no chance of being a head coach. Mm-hmm. I didn't want the role, per se, in saying, well, let's hire this guy. I wanted to be able to have a conversation so I know... I mean, I, I understand how this works. If the guy doesn't feel like you're a fit with him, mm-hmm. there's a good chance you're not going to be there. You know, so you have to have some kind of dialogue or probably if you don't, you just know you're out the door. How'd the Carson Palmer trade come about? I mean, walk, walk me through that. It, it all started, I guess, you find out from the doctors what happened with, with Jason Campbell. Yeah, so once we found out what happened with Jason, um, that I knew Jason was going to be down for a while. We, you know, obviously people said six to eight weeks. It ended up being longer than that. Um, there was a decision that had to be made. I mean, do you uh, go out and get a stop-gap stop, stop 
gap guy to come in and be on the football team, or do you find someone who can truly help you win? And there were several quarterbacks that were out there, and we we explored several other opportunities. I think people don't know that. It wasn't just Carson. Who else did you? Who I'm not going to go there. Uh, you know I have to ask the <laughs> yes, question. You do. Okay. I'm not going to go there. But there were several people at the time, yeah. you know, that were out there. There were several calls that we all filled it. And then from there, we started the process of thinking what was best for us for the football team. And I think when I look at it as the head coach, the best recommendation I can give the organization is who can help us attain our goal, which was winning the AFC West. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I thought it was Carson. And um, But all I did was help facilitate that because I have a relationship with Carson. I had a relationship with Mike Brown. So I was able to talk to Mike Brown. And to me, that's what I was able to do. I know there's been so many reports that I did the deal. I don't do deals. You know, I'm not the general manager. I'm the head coach. But what I was able to do because of relationships was open the lines of communication. And the rest of it was done within our organization with our team of people in order to make this trade happen. Well, I don't think, you know, just reading reports and, and, and hearing what people are saying, uh, with the Carson Palmer trade, clearly, you know, you can't just call up Mike Brown and say, Two number one, sure. Hang up, send him over. I'll send the paperwork right over. And then you go to the word processor and bang out the contract. You know, clearly you have to include Mm -hmm. people who say the okay. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, the the context, though, about Mm -hmm. the trade that people are wondering is that you might have been pushing for Carson Mm -hmm. to come. To, because you knew that the first your first season on board mm-hmm. was going to hinge on whether you win or lost, mm-hmm. and that you you perhaps pushed for somebody and pushed for a trade that long term wasn't right for the team, mm-hmm. but short term was not only right for the team but also right for you. What do you say to people who who couch the term in those tra- in, well, in those I, terms? Well, first the first thing you said about pushing for someone that you know, I think we all would. I mean, I knew exactly what I was going to get from this player. I recruited and coached him in college. I spent time with him in Cincinnati, so I knew exactly what I was getting. The other guys out there, I didn't know. So, yeah, if I had, you know, the opportunity. I wanted the guy that I'm very familiar with who could get hit the ground running as far as offense was concerned, who I knew I could build an offense around fast enough to be able to still matriculate the ball down the field and give us an opportunity to win. So, that's where that came from. The other part of it about the long term and short term, that's a that's a organization decision. Still, I'm not making that decision. I mean, that's a team of people that at the end of the day, we say, hey, this is what's best for us. That's not Hugh Jackson standing up on the table and saying, oh, we better do this. I want to do whatever we think is right for the organization. At that time where we were a team that was four and two, with an opportunity to still get better and have a goal, which was winning AFC West, still be alive, I think we all made the decision, let's bring this man on board. And the, the from the outside, however, mm-hmm. the perception was, you know, Mr. Davis had just passed, mm-hmm. um, and you were the highest-ranking football official mm-hmm. in this large vacuum mm-hmm. that clearly was going to be created by the, uh, the, the, the sudden passing of Mr. Davis, mm-hmm. and that they relied on you perhaps more than many coaches at that particular time Mm -hmm. and that you may, and that you, that they were basically say, what do you think you say? Yes. And they go with it. Is that a, is that a fair characterization? No, because I think it's still thought through. Um, I don't think I say yes and we do anything. I think I brought things up, but I think at the end of the day, I mean, I know everybody said I was the highest ranking official, but I wasn't. Mark Davis was the highest ranking official. 
Amy Trask was, you know, there also mm-hmm. and myself. So um, we all collaborated on making these decisions and I did nothing alone. There's nothing that I did at the Oakland Raiders in my time there that I've ever done by myself. You know, did I bring up suggestions? Well, that's my job as a head coach sure. to bring those things up. But at the end of the day, all those decisions were made in unison with one another and we signed off on them. Darren McFadden, what what happened with him? Can you shed any more light on what happened yes, with him? Yes, just a mid-foot sprain. And for him, it, you know, some... It just know, never got better. No, it didn't. I mean, it did and it didn't. It would get a little bit better and we would try. And then all of a sudden it just wasn't ready. And then maybe we had a little setback at one time. And then he was able to come back. But uh, I think he's going to be fine. I mean, I think uh, that'll be behind him. Um, I think he was very close to returning. I know even when I said that, some people were disappointed because he was. Well, we on NFL Network were as well. I mean, <laughs> our, our game our game that you, we, we last saw each other right. uh, in San Diego, a lot of people thought that you had held him out that week before because right. you were you were, you were were thinking that was a day that he was going to play. I right. mean, but Michael Bush ran for a good zillion yards yes, that night did. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so McFadden, was there, was there at any point where you thought, I'm going to have him, then game day... You don't? No. There was okay. never any point during the season, the regular season, where I thought, I'm going to get him. I know we were getting closer, and uh, we, I know we we're going to really give it a shot, mm-hmm. you know, if we had the opportunity to keep playing. But I I never thought. I just kind of really got my mind away from that. It had been so long, you know, and every week it was the same thing. You know, he's out. So uh, I just kind of whatever it was going to be, it was going to be. Right. Um did you see the press conference, the Reggie McKenzie press conference, or no? Did you watch part uh, of it? Or I, no? I seen some of it. Yeah. Okay. Did you see the projector? Come down? <laughs> yes, I did. I did. Just, see w- the... just when Mr. <laughs> Davis was brought up, did you see, oh. <laughs> like, right at that moment? <laughs> yes, I did. As if the as if he was <laughs> there. <laughs> what do you think Al Davis would say right now, Hugh Jackson? Um, well, I think he would. If I know Coach, Coach would be disappointed that we didn't make the playoffs. But I want I want everyone to know that I truly believe if Coach was there, we would have made the playoffs. Because I think we all know Coach's specialty was on defense. You know, that's that's what he loved. That's what he um, really dug into. And um, the offense, he kind of left to me. And uh, when he was, was here, we were a 4-2 football team. You know, we were went to Houston, won a big emotional game, and then came back that next week honoring him and won, and we were 4-2, and two, really when, you know, was still pretty raw where he was. And then after that, you know, we kind of lost our way. But I think it's because we lost our leader a little bit uh, because he was, the, he was the main charge behind our defensive football team. Do you he, think you'd be the coach? Huh? Do you think you would be the coach? Um, you know, I, I I hope I would have. You know, I think he was still here. I do feel very comfortable that I still would have the opportunity to, to coach the Raiders. But we'll never know the answer to that. No, I know. I know. What's the next step for you, Hugh? I want to coach. You know, I, I love coaching. Um, it's, in, it's in me. It's what I love to do. It's what I do. Um, you know, I've, I've had, you know, we've had some very productive offenses in Oakland the last couple of years. We were 10th in 2010. We were 9th this past year. Um, my first year as being a head coach, so many experiences, been through so much, a lockout, losing players, <laughs> injuries, quarterback, everything. And so to me, I feel very comfortable and I hold my head high based on what I was able to accomplish. I mean, the last game of the regular season, and don't get me wrong, I didn't like it, but to have an opportunity to play for the AFC West Championship in your home stadium with an opportunity to host a playoff game the next week, to me says a lot about where we were going. 
you know, not to where we were. I'm not happy with the outcome, but it says about where we were going. And had we been able to finish that, I would have felt really good about the direction and where we were going. But at the end of the day, uh, there is a commitment to excellence there. And uh, that's Coach's vision, and that's the fire that's always burned in him, and, and we didn't get it done. What, what, what do you take out of the experience? Because as you point out, what, what a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were named mm-hmm. um, mid-January, mm-hmm. correct? Martin Luther King Day. Right, Martin Luther King mm-hmm. Day, the one-year anniversary that's coming up next mm-hmm. week. And uh, you got to put a staff together. Mm-hmm. Then you're locked out mm-hmm. <laughs> after the combine. Mm-hmm. You're locked out. Then the season starts late. You put something together, you're four and two. Mr. Davis passes, mm-hmm. Campbell's hurt, Carson Palmer comes. You don't get McFadden back. Mm-hmm. And now here you are sitting here with me mm-hmm. uh, a day after um, you were relieved of your duties. Mm-hmm. What do you take out of this entire process, Hugh? That you got to persevere. You know, that you don't. Um, yesterday was a tough day. You know, any time that you don't get a chance to finish something, you start. That's hard. But uh, at the end of the day, um, I got a chance to wake up this morning and feel good about where I am and what I'm trying to attempt to do. Um, do I want to be a head coach? No, no question. I relish the opportunity because I think I truly do get leading men. Um, do I know that all the T's and all the I's got to be crossed and dotted the right way to give you the best opportunity? Yes. And um, uh, I think that's important as I move forward. But I learned so many lessons on what to do and what not to do mm-hmm. if given that opportunity in the future. But at the end of the day, I'm a football coach that loves a coach, uh, love being around the players and love game day and what it all means and loves a chess match of offense against defense. And um, it's a lot of fun. Before I let you go, in, in case you do want to go into the media, I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you a crack at this right now. Uh, how far do you think Tebow can take the Broncos? I know you're probably not thinking about any of this stuff. The look you just gave me was just like, are you kidding me? I haven't thought about any of this stuff. But you, you, you've seen the young man yes. up close and personal. Uh-huh. Um, you've seen what he can do. Mm-hmm. You saw, I assume, what he did against the the Steelers. I don't mm-hmm. know how much football you you did watch did. this weekend. Um, how far do you think the Broncos can go? I think the- I think they can go far. I think they have a tremendous head coach in John Fox. I think Dennis Allen is the unsung hero on that football team on defense. I think what he's done with their defensive football team is tremendous. I mean, they have really played great. And a lot of kudos to to Tebow. I mean, he's gotten it done. It was amazing before they played us our first, second game when he became starter. You know, I kept saying that I would hope that he doesn't get hot against us, and he did. Right. You know, and that's kind of catapulted him from that game on. He started playing really well. He's a good football player. And um, he's a competitor. He loves the game. and He relishes the big moments, you know, as witnessed by last week. So when you have those things working for you, um, the men that I mentioned earlier and then a football team that believes, right. a lot of great things can happen. Now they're playing against a really good football team this week, you know, in New England. So it's going to be a tremendous challenge. So, But who knows? I mean, I don't think you can put any limitations on their football team. Or any person either. Absolutely. No question about that. The power of belief, as you just mentioned, for sure. I mean, and as you also have mentioned, you've, you've coached at two different levels. Mm-hmm. Is, is the style of offense, do you think, sustainable in the professional ranks? I think it's tough because I think when your quarterback gets hit that much, eventually it gets worn down. But he's a big dude, he right? Is, I mean, he is he's, a, he's, he's a, not just, he's not, let's, let's put it this way, he's not Vic in right. terms of stature, size, mm-hmm. 200 pounds, maybe soaking wet. Mm-hmm. He's a big 
dude. He is a big dude, but I think we all know and recognize that in this league, you know, the more you run at quarterback, the the less you're probably going to end up playing. Because at some point in time, one of those hits are going to get you. Um, and I don't wish that on him because he is a tremendous competitor and very good at what he does. The style of play is 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 starting to take shape in this league a little bit because there are some of those quarterbacks that have those kind of skill mm-hmm. that begin to play. I mean, Cam Newton, what he's doing in Carolina is yeah, a, I, I, unbelievable. I, I, but, you know, all of us in the media, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're Tebow struck mm-hmm. right now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we're, it's tough for us to get out of it. We're, <laughs> we're in that sort of Tebow riptide, certainly after he does what he does right. in, like, the highest-watched wildcard game of all time. Mm-hmm. But Cam, I mean, he... He's a big dude, he's un- and he's unbelievable. I am wow. so impressed with him and his ability to perform at such a high level week in and week out. I'm fascinated. Again, this is I have a, a, an offensive coach sitting right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, d- will will in will this change the way Cam played this year? Tebow playing right now change the evaluation of the position there's moving no, forward? There's no question it will. No Be- doubt. No doubt, because these guys can make plays with their legs and with their arm. And uh, they have a special skill, and it's called winning. They have a belief about them that if you give them opportunity, they can make things happen. And um, I think uh, they're both tremendous competitors. And there's a young kid in Oakland, I think, uh, as as they move forward to Roe Pryor, ah. who's kind of cut from some of that cloth that when he gets an opportunity and I forgot about that yeah he's amongst gonna, the whole all the stuff that you were talking about yeah he's gonna he he's, went supplemental draft and took him mm-hmm. he's gonna be something special he just you how, know how soon you think um sooner than later i think what's happening with him is he just didn't get an opportunity when he got there just right. because he got there so late what a mess you know? the kid and, had uh, through this year yeah and then he was suspended you know for right. a while so right. he couldn't have an opportunity to catch up you know but he worked he's a worker you know he's kind of cut from the same cloth of those guys I just mentioned earlier. Not that I'm comparing them or anything like that, but the style. Well, I mean, what he, the, what he had at, at Ohio State when he was active mm-hmm. and not having all this stuff swimming around mm-hmm. him, I mean, he was, yes, he he was excellent. Yeah. Uh, did any point during the season you have a package for him? Or no? At one time, there was one time uh, early in the year against Kansas City, we tried a, we tried a couple things and, and got him going, and he did them very, very well. But again, when you have a quarterback, you just get in and Carson, you know, you got to right. make sure you get all the reps you can so that kind of course kind of put a little stop on that experiment interesting so terrell Pryor, you think uh with what we have seen this year mm-hmm. he can do similar things oh, given the opportunity there's no question i think those guys um he has that kind of skill set and know? you think rg3 who who announced today mm-hmm. as a matter of fact it'll be official next week mm-hmm. do you think his draft stock has gone up not only from what he's done but from these guys that we have mentioned <laughs> there as well? is no question i mean he's a tremendous football player he right. can throw it. He can run with it. He's he looks to be extremely smart. Uh, handles pressure very well. I mean, those guys are hard to find. Very hard to find. Oh man, someone's. I think someone's gonna. Someone's gonna knock on the Rams door. Oh, don't you think? I mean, <laughs> hey, hey, so, somebody might because they've got Sam Bradford. I mean, just again, might. I'm just I'm just shooting it just with might. you right now. Just might. Right. I wouldn't be surprised for RG3. Hey, Hugh, thanks very much. We appreciate your thoughts Thank and good you. luck and we'll see you down the road. Thank you, Rich. That really is appreciate Hugh Jackson. It. Coach Hugh Jackson right here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. His movie Contraband hits a theater near you this weekend. I am pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Bud Light, Mark Wahlberg. How are you, Mark? Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. So uh, let's get your temperature here. Uh, post Tim Tebow bouncing the Pittsburgh Steelers and heading to New England to take on your beloved Patriots. What's your thoughts here, Mark? Well, you know what? Tim Tebow has already performed his, his many miracles. And, uh, you know, he'll go home after Saturday and get ready for next season. <laughs> 
<laughs> Could it be as simple as that, though? Yeah, I think it is. You know, I actually, listen, the guy is incredible. You know, I'm a devout Catholic, and I love the Lord more than anything, and I give all credit to God. But, uh, you know, there's too many people up there praying praying for the Patriots, for him to go up there and win. And the Patriots are too good. You know, the, you know, the offense is phenomenal, and, you know, the defense is hurting. But, you know, they've been good in the red zone, and, uh, you know, they did us a favor by knocking out the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, it, it was surprising, though, how Tebow was able to throw it on the Steelers. I, I thought maybe they might be able to catch the Steelers in the same way that they caught other teams by keeping it close. But I mean, they had a lead, they did blow it. And then Tebow threw the Broncos into next week. So I'm wondering yeah. if, if that might concern you a little bit. No, no, not at all. I think, uh, you know, by the time he gets that final possession, it's going to be 49 to 16 or, or, or 49 to 13. And then uh, it won't make a difference. But I was really proud of him because I kept, I kept, I was working at the time and I was listening to the game and they were up. And then as soon as I got home, I rushed home, I turned the TV on, and of course, you know, the Steelers are coming back. And I was like, oh god, here we go, and they tied it up. But uh, but I was happy for them, and I was happy for him. You know, I think after that run that he went on, people were kind of questioning him, and you know, he uh, he made people believe again. But it's just too tough a task to go into New England and beat those guys. And I think I think Texans are going to win too. You do. What makes you yeah. think that? Well, because that's what I want to have. <laughs> I was about to say. You're <laughs> good. We don't want to play Baltimore either. You know, you know the big test. The test is going to be, you know, who's going to be in the Super Bowl from the NFC, whether it's whether it's Green Bay or you know, the Forty Nine ers are tough, but uh, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, I'd love to see a repeat of the Patriots Giants to give us another crack to go and uh, redeem ourselves after the 18-1 season. Is it, that, uh, I think, you know, Green Bay is going to be tough, and obviously the Saints are going to be really tough, but everybody's, it's going to be really tough for anybody to win in Green Bay. So uh, you are basically saying the AFC Championship put it put that game at least in New England, Do you, yeah. and, and, you're, and you're hoping for the Texans, but deep down you think it will be the Ravens. Uh, whoever that Super Bowl is going to have to beat the best teams out there. That's just the way it always is. But, uh, you know, if it can make the, the, the road a little bit easier to Indy, then, uh, you know, we'll take it. What What's your uh, sense of, of Brady? Uh, when you, you see him this year, he got into an argument with uh, the offensive coordinator who's now taking a job with Penn State, but he's still there. A lot of people think that he just feels the pressure more than before, knowing that the defense – won't be able to stand up in a point-for-point point race. It's on him. Do you do you get that sense just watching him and also perhaps knowing him? No, because you know what? I think he's more confident now. I think, you know, he's, has, he always usually has this calm exterior, and you never really saw him, you know, get upset or raise his voice until, you know, that confrontation on the sideline. But the guy's a winner. He's a fighter. And I think, look, you know, it's better that the defense didn't start to crumble. I think they're actually going to show up. You know, they're starting to click a little bit better. You know, they let everybody march up the field, but once they get into the red zone, they do a much better job. So I think, you know, it's their due, and uh, and I think Tom's going to deliver. He's been in this situation many times before, so i got a lot of confidence in him. Where are you going to watch the game? Uh, I'm going to watch the game at home. I was, uh, I was hoping to go to the game, but I think I'm going to be in L.A., uh, so I'll watch the game, and then if they go to the Super Bowl, I think it'll be the first time that I go and I take my two sons. Ah, so you've never been to a Super Bowl, and I never wanted to go, but I would love to have that experience with my boys. Indianapolis destination for a Wahlberg family outing is what you're saying at this point. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I sent uh, I sent a picture. Thomas sent me a picture. Him and Vince Wilfork in the locker room the other day when I was at home. 
it just so happened I was sitting at my, my desk where I have a Patriots helmet, so I sent the, the, the picture back with me holding the helmet. And we were talking about getting together. I goes, go get that ring first. And he goes, no problem. So I'm, I'm feeling confident. Wow. Okay. So, you know, we're there at NFL Network. We're, we will definitely be there. And if you if you need whatever you need, Mark, we're, we're there to help make the experience uh, as as best as possible. I, you know, Marshall, Dion, we'll make them all available to you. Oh, I love it. Play play golf with Marshall. Hang with Dion. Yeah, I don't know about the golf in Indianapolis. Though. I know, but you know what? We you know we maybe can just sneak away on a plane for a couple a couple days early. Yeah, you know, Marshall. I don't know if you're aware. He he won't tell you his handicap. He can play. That's okay. I'll tell him mine. I'm a sixteen point nine. Are you really, or that's just too much? You, you, you're just looking for candy from somebody like him. Well, I'm a 16.9 versus Tiger, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess Marshall would take the comparison with Tiger, but he, he would. But it pro- is such a great, great, and exciting, exciting time for football, huh? Yeah, it is. This is really. This is just. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, the Tebow, um, uh, the Broncos Patriots game, uh, uh, Broncos Steelers game was the most watched wild card game ever. Um, the only other event that was watched more than that game in the entire last year was the Super Bowl. It's 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 through the roof, and it, oh, I love it. What I love most importantly is you know the guy. It's all about his faith, you know, and uh, you don't get put in that position for no reason. Right, no doubt about it. And he he's he's not afraid to to talk about it. It's the first thing pretty much out of his mouth every time. Oh yeah, I love it. You know. Um, I do love it. I admire it very much. What's tell me about your new movie, Contraband? Uh, what what uh, what should fans expect when they settle into the theaters to watch you and Kate Beckinsale this weekend? This is the you know the quintessential Mark Wahlberg movie: ultimate action, suspense, drama. It's a thriller heist movie like you've never seen before. I saw, I found the movie. It was a little obscure uh, Icelandic movie called Reykjavik, Rotterdam. It was just the way they executed this whole heist. And the whole thing and this whole smuggling ring that I thought, wow, this is made for a really cool movie. I got really excited about it. I very rarely get excited about movies. And then, uh, you know, we got a right to the rights to it. And, you know, it's me being really physical and kicking a lot of behind, but also being as smart as I am physical. So it's kind of like a cross between the Italian job meets four brothers and the departed. That is a great that's, – that's, that's not a bad cross-section right there. And, and it's more real and gritty than all those movies. No kit, Really? Yeah. The Departed. Yeah. That's, that's – Yeah, I mean, Departed was, you know, was, there was a lot of gloss in that movie. And this thing is real and raw. You know, it's the, it's the kind of New Orleans, city of New Orleans that you've never seen, the backyards right. and, you know, the darker seedy side of New Orleans. And also Panama has never been shot like this before. And the world of smuggling and just the way this whole thing happens, the way they pull this thing off pretty incredible excellent contraband in the theater near you uh and i can't i can't let you go without talking boardwalk empire as well it's one of my it's it is i'm telling you my my fall went like this go to work on sunday do my sunday morning show uh watch the games then do my my highlight show and then go crash and go to sleep because my call time's four in the morning but the whole time my tivo was working monday First thing, send the kids to school. I caught up on Boardwalk Empire every what, single Monday. What did you think of the finale? Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Awesome, I, don't, right? I mean, I don't want to give it away just in case there are some people who are, who are catching up, but it definitely was shocking. It was surprising. Um, but it's just so well acted, and it's so well shot, Mark. Oh, is the writing so- is the best in, in the business, the directing, everything. We were, you know, so fortunate to have, you know, the success like we have with Entourage in the comedy world and to have, 
the best drama on television right after that. You know, you know, us working with HBO and being able to attract that kind of talent. It, it, uh, it's remarkable. Awesome. Is there any hint you could give us for season three whatsoever? Well, if you thought if you thought season two was was anything, season three is going to be twice as gangster. <sighs> I mean, it's really heating up. You know, Al Capone is starting to come into his own as is Lucky Luciano. I mean, you're going to see these guys grow and develop into the iconic prime figures that they were that you know they were remembered for. So the rise of the Meyer Lansky career path, all those guys, all of them. All of them, and everybody thought, how could you kill Jimmy? But I mean, he was one of the only fictional characters in the show. Right. So now we're going to introduce some other characters. And, uh, you know, you, like me, I'm waiting for what Terry's going to come up with. But the stuff that we talked about is just so exciting to see. And hopefully we'll win. Uh, hopefully this weekend is going to be a big weekend for me. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna, absolutely. We're going to be number one at the box office. The Patriots are going to win. Yeah. And, uh... And Golden Globes, Boardwalk will win the best drama. Well, good luck with all that. I hope you hit the trifecta. I'm sure Broncos fans hope you just go two for three. We're uh, over. Well, if, 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 listen, and you know, that the Patriots don't put food on my table, so if I had to go two for three, I wouldn't do that. That's upset. right. <laughs> and believe me, when I get on my knees, you know, I, I would uh, I would thank God that Tim Tebow's out there spreading, spreading the message of the good Lord. Hey, Mark, thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. And uh, and do, uh, do look us up if you do uh, make it to Indy with your pets. I will, and I'm going to come visit you in studio when I'm launching my new uh, – Sports nutrition line this uh, this fall with GNC called Mark. So I want to come and talk to you about it first. Fantastic! I'm, I'm, I'd love to have you in studio. Uh, Two, being in the sports media, I'm always about free stuff, right? I mean, it would be free oh. stuff, right? Top of the line. We got the top science-based stuff. The products are going to be fantastic. Off the charts. Uh, yeah, ch- yeah, I'll I'll walk I'll walk out of the studio chiseled. I'm all for that. Oh yeah, we're slicing you up, baby. Okay. All right, Mark. All right, buddy. Thanks again. You you bet. That's the one and only Mark Wahlberg, his movie Contraband in a theater near you this weekend. Joining me here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. I'm fired up for this guest. He is one of the all-time bests at his position, getting set for career playoff game number eight in season number 13, Pro Bowl season number 11, which is a record for his position. The Denver Broncos cornerback himself, Champ Paley. How are you, Champ? Doing good, Rich. How you doing? I am doing just fine. So many things to ask you. Uh, I, I, let's go. Op- let's go obvious first. Let's go obvious first. What has it been like having the front row seat that you have had on the sideline, watching Tim Tebow and this offense become what it, it has become? It, it's been unbelievable in, in so many ways because nobody knew what we, what could happen. You know, nobody gave us a chance. You know, it was. It's one of those things. Let's let's see how it plays out. And you know, after being in the playoffs and winning a game, people are starting to kind of you know give us a little credit. What was it like watching Demarius Thomas go on that eighty-yard dash? It was amazing, amazing feeling. For one, I didn't have to go back on the field. And I was dead tired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I was dead tired by the end of the game, but uh, it, it was great because it, this city deserved to win like that. You know, it's our final game here. I mean, it, it's a great feeling. Well, I mean, did you sit around at all and at, at any point during the season watching Tim Tebow do and this offense do what it has been doing and just shake your head and say, I have never seen that before and I probably will never see it again? Is, is, I would love for you to put into words what, you, what you've been thinking standing next to your defensive brethren watching this thing play out. Well, we love to see it work because the longer that it works, the, the more rest we get on defense and you know, I'm cheering them on. I'm, I'm, I'm pull, definitely pulling for them to, to pull it off every week because, 
you know, the, the more it works, the better it is for the defense that we can go out there and, you know, we can counter right off of that. Can you provide some insight for us, too, about um, the thinking process? And by that, I mean so many of us go about our daily lives and our jobs and if we struggle at the job, you know, we, we all we all question ourselves. We all get down on ourselves. We all have coworkers that depend on us and, and say, you know, hey, what's going on? And with Tim Tebow, he never seems to say that he has these sorts of doubts, that he ever goes through that. What has it been like from your position? Have you seen any at any point in the time during the six for 22s or the 55 minutes of struggling on offense that he has gone through that and needed you or maybe Brian Dawkins or somebody to come around and put an arm around him and, and tell him uh, to, to just keep plugging away? You know, I don't necessarily think he needs it, but it doesn't mean that we don't do it. You know, we definitely encourage him as much as possible. This game is rough. So I can only imagine what goes on in his head and, and anything like that. But, you never see that from his demeanor. But being an older player, I can't imagine that, you know, it doesn't get tough sometimes because it's gotten tough for me. I mean, that's every year of my career. So I can only imagine what he goes through, but he's a fighter. And one thing about him, he never stops believing in himself. And at any point in time, were you and the rest of the defense ever looking at each other uh, and hearing all of us out of breath in the national media? putting him on covers and talking about him left and right that, hey, Tebow time never exists if you and the rest of your defensive brethren are doing the jobs that you've been doing. You know, we we, we don't get the credit. You know, I think we deserve, but at the same time, we don't care. You know, we're winning games. That's what it's all about. It's a team sport. I mean, Tebow, he's going to get a lot of attention. And the more people watch him, the more people watch us. That's that's just the way it's going to be. So he's one of our brothers, so we, we, we cheer for him. You know, we want him to get that attention. He handles it well, which makes it even easier for us to like him. Has there, was there any ever rookie hazing involving him at all, Champ? <laughs> a little. Yeah. You know, not, not, not a little. I mean, he shaved, we shaved his head. <laughs> Is that right? But that was about it. I mean, he was all for it. That's, I don't, I've never seen a rookie, like, willingly let you do things. But, you know, he, if, when they do that, it's, it's hard to just go up to him and just want to do things to him. But, right. you know, he, he took it took it in stride. I mean, he, he played the role just well. Let's talk about this matchup. How, how much of what happened just a month ago do you think is going to play into what happens on Saturday night in Gillette? Well, I, I think it will in several, several ways because, you know, we did a lot of things wrong in that game. They did a lot of things well. So we're both going to learn from our success, well, their success and our mistakes, you know, and try not to make those again. But, you know, it's going to be another dogfight just like it was then. What, what, well, what were the mistakes that were made, certainly on your, and on, uh, your side of the football, that uh, well, you need to button up, certainly heading to Tom Brady's house? Well, communication, <laughs> missing task, tackles, all that stuff you can see watching the game. Anybody that doesn't know football can see that. You know, we were missing tackles and, and miscommunicating on a lot of plays. And you can't do that against one of the greatest quarterbacks ever played. What is it like trying to stare at Tom Brady into his eyes and try and get into his brain as he is operating that offense at such a high level? What is that like from your position on the field, champ? It's tough, you know, because you know what he's capable of. When you watch him on film, I mean, he's making throws, you know, off his back foot on the money. You know he's capable of doing a lot of things, but – one thing you can't do is get frustrated when he makes a play because he's going to make them. 
You just got to limit them as much as possible and try to hit them as much as possible. Then again, you have picked him off in a playoff game. Have you not, Champ Bailey? Have you not? I have once. Yeah. I mean, but uh, listen, I know that this is sort of a touchy subject in a a little bit of a way, but you did did pick off Tom Brady in the end zone, and you did stop them from scoring, and you did take it 100 yards in the other direction, Champ, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what do you want me to say? No, (laughs) yes, you have. You have taken a bet. I'm agreeing with you. Exactly, and Gronkowski's (laughs) not going to come get you. Let's put it that way. (laughs) <laughs> oh man you got that right you definitely you know, won't catch me <laughs> you know so uh taking this game on its face the fact that you're in it and the fact that nobody expected you to make the playoffs let alone the manner in which you made it let alone the manner in which you made this game how much is in this locker room do you certainly as a veteran need to just look everybody in the eye and talk about the opportunity and not celebrate in a way the fact that you have the opportunity. Well, the, the thing we need to concentrate on is just the day-to-day work to get up to a game. You know, just our preparation. And everything will take care of itself. We just prepare to win Sunday. Everything else take care of itself. We try to control our emotions as much, much as possible. We haven't really done anything yet. We want a playoff game. It's one step closer to where we want to go, and that's what we got to focus on. Right. And... Um... Dawkins, how is he doing? Uh, do you think we get a chance that we could see him playing on Saturday? I think there's a chance, but, you know, I, I really don't know. You know, he, he didn't practice today, right. as we all know. But, you know, it's it's one of those things I think they're just taking day to day. And I, I hope we can get him back on the field as soon as possible. And what is, he, what is he providing even without his play? I mean, he is one of those typical he can play for me type guys just the way that he's he, a, yeah just you know there's the way he he carries himself and the way that he inspires yeah. other i i love that guy it's one of my favorite interviews that i've had over the last eight years and i'd love to know what you what you, you you can pull back the curtain a little bit and tell us what he's been providing to this defense and what he does still provide he still has a lot of energy and, and you can you can feed off his passion because you can see how bad he wants to be out there and then, you know, he's like another coach on the sideline because he sees things. He knows how to communicate with us, you know, and, and, and what we need to see, what we don't see. And it, it's a lot of different things that he provides. I mean, his presence alone, we need him. I mean, we want him on the field, but I wouldn't want him in the press box during the game. He has to be on the sideline. <laughs> yeah. Well, he calls himself the idiot man, right? When he puts on the eye black, he says he becomes the idiot man. That's his nickname hey. for himself. I don't know what happens, but he's a different person. He is. I mean, he's a totally different person. But I love it, though. I know, but for the good, right? He's a different person for the good. How good is Von Miller? Can you put into words how good he is? Special talent, raw talent. You know, I, th- I think the sky's the limit for him. He can be one of the best to ever play at his position. It, it, it's just going to, you know, take understanding the game, things like that. Things, th- Those kind of things you kind of grow into and you, you learn as you get older. But the sooner he finds out, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's no stopping him. Right. Last question for you, um, Champ, and, and part of this is a little bit of jealousy because you have more hair on your face than I have on my entire head. <laughs> uh, wh- when was the last time you shaved that beard? When was the last time? Well, I trim it every other week, but okay. uh, I shave it. Uh, the last time I shaved it down, uh, about a year ago. A year ago? About a year. Yeah. Wow. That is impressive. I mean, that's yeah. commitment. Champ, how long? Oh, yeah. How, oh, how, yeah. how long are we gonna? How long are we gonna see that? Well, 
we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see. I, I really don't have a deadline okay. or a date I'm going to cut it. It's, it's just, you know, whenever I feel like it, that's when it'll go. All right, champ. Enjoy the uh, experience again in a playoff game. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. All right. Anytime, Rich. You bet. That's Champ Bailey joining me here on the Rich Eisen podcast prior to his big game in New England. Let's talk about everything else going on in the National Football League. Once again, joining us here on the Rich Eisen Podcast, presented by Bud Light, a man who's quite in demand these days, doing Dan Patrick. He does his usual gig on Showtime, in addition to NFL Network, and he is basically a, an in-house organ of the Bill Simmons Podcast as well. That's none other than Michael Lombardi. How are you, Michael? I am doing well, Rich. Thank you. Let's start with Jeff Fisher. What What is Jeff Fisher's plan here? Everybody believes that uh, this 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 coming this is going to come out of the oven real soon. His decision. Well, I think Jeff Fisher's plan is is to go to the Miami Dolphins because it's a structure in place that he knows. He feels comfortable. The team isn't going to move. There's no relocation problems. There's not an issue with the lease. And I think he feels very comfortable that Stephen Ross is committed to making the team the best it could possibly be. St. Louis was attractive, but I think the more he looked into the organization, there's no real front office right now. There's a lot of things to get done. And then there's that old question that looms. Can, in fact, the Rams sell enough tickets? Can they do enough things on their stadium lease that would keep them there? Los Angeles is a market that could be in play. And the Rams have things in their lease that could trigger that. And they've been there one time before. Wow. I mean, for for Jeff Fisher to turn down the Rams and the second overall pick in the draft, which any coach coming into a new situation would love to have, obviously, they would have uh, uh, in what many people widely believe is a franchise young quarterback in Sam Bradford entering his third year. For him to turn all that down and say, I'm going to go somewhere else because I'm concerned you're going to move. That leaves the Rams having to answer a whole bunch of questions in their fan base, if you think about it, Michael. Well, I think it would, but obviously the Rams will come out and say, look, we're not going to move unless we're forced to. I think they'll be strong in that area. And and they'll also try to do things in terms of damage control to let their fans know that, hey, this is a partnership. This isn't just we're here to stay for life. Jacksonville's a little different. Their lease reads a little differently than the St. Louis Rams. The Rams lease reads in a way to where there is the potential for them to relocate if they had to do that. So, And then when you really break down the Rams team, Rich, I mean, there's some issues there that they have to resolve. They're not big in the defensive front. Jeff Fisher likes to have a physical defensive line. Their offensive line, they spent a lot of money on it, but it's not quite good enough. He's going to have to rebuild that, and he has the quarterback. It's going to take some time to get the Rams up to speed. It's just not going to happen overnight. All right, let's uh, let's now move to uh, pick it up where we, we started, where we left off there, Michael, if you don't mind. No problem. Okay, here we go in three, two. You mentioned an interesting name in Matt Flynn, uh, Michael. There's uh, obviously going to be a lot of interest in this young man, certainly since he is the all-time Packer single-game record holder based uh, on his Week 17 performance with touchdowns and passing yards. And, and if the Packers do continue to go on the run, it just makes everybody on that team more attractive. Where do you think he might wind up? You mentioned him as a possibility with Miami. I know the Redskins are clearly going to need somebody else moving forward. Where do you think Flynn ends up playing in 2012? I think Miami's a strong possibility. Also, Washington, I think he fits what they want to do. The difficult thing for Miami is what offense do they want to run? How do they want to handle that? Uh, you, you know, where are they going? Where at least when you watch Washington, you could picture and visualize Flynn in their offense and Flynn doing things that Matt Schaub could do in Houston and do them very well. So I could see that happening. I think Washington's in a little bit of a difficult place. They want to get it. They need to win right away next year. This is year three of Mike Shanahan's rebuilding program. I don't know if it's going to get the rear, rear year four 
four if they don't have a stability at quarterback. So I think they'll certainly be in play for Flynn, and I think the Cleveland Browns will be in play for Flynn, assuming that they can't somebody can't trade up to get the second pick overall. I got to ask you what you think about what happened with the Raiders. We had Hugh Jackson in here before. Um, he's obviously been talking quite a bit in the media, this podcast, other places. Uh, were you surprised as to how that all played out in Oakland? No, I wasn't because I think once they made the decision to hire somebody, they brought Ron Wolf in, they brought Ken Harrock, both guys have been in Green Bay, they were listening to John Madden. I think they needed to change the organization. They wanted one person to have complete control over all the football operation. And as you remember, Hugh talked about having it in his contract that he reported to the managing general partner. Well, that became an issue because the managing general partner essentially was Al Davis. It isn't really Mark Davis because he doesn't want to handle that type of role. He wants to pass the baton to a football guy and let him run it. So when Reggie McKenzie became the candidate, really the only candidate, and they gave him the power and the authority to build the organization in his style and his manner, then Hugh Douglas really became a casualty of change. It wasn't his fault. It just was the situation that presented itself. And unfortunately, Hugh was at the really the wrong timing in terms of his career as a head coach. So is Carson going to be the guy moving forward there? Because as, as we always know, um, new guys come in, they not only want their own coach, and the new, the new coach is going to want his own quarterback. And obviously they've been, they, they went and they, they gave up a King's ransom for Carson. Does this, does this mean Carson is still going to be the quarterback there moving forward? I think they have no choice, Rich. When you break down this Raider organization right now as it stands, there's not a lot of draft picks. They're not going to have cap room or cash to be able to go out and acquire a lot of players. They're very hopeful they can get some compensatory picks from what they've been able to do. So uh, this is a team that's kind of in gridlock, to be honest. The cap is not going up much next year if it goes up at all. It could be a status cap. Therefore, without any draft picks, without any ability to add any more talent to the team, I think they're going to have to make this Carson Palmer work for at least one more year. Then his contract goes up much higher, and they can make a decision, or at least they can find someone to replace him. Would they be a team interested in Matt Flynn? Probably would be. Nobody knows him better than Reggie Reggie McKenzie, but they're going to have to clear the decks to be able to bring him in, and that would be difficult, having paid what they paid for Carson Palmer. Plus, the cap's not going up this year, right? Right, not going up at all. So you have to work it within. And they already have built in increases on their players, and they have given so much guaranteed money to players, it'd be tough to get rid of them. Interesting, because Flynn would be a a fit there, right? I mean, because McKenzie, if if, if you're all in on the whole Green Bay idea, which uh, they're they're rumored to be even with their head coach in Winston Moss, the – the uh, the linebacker uh, and uh, the assist- one of the assistant coaches on the on the defensive side of the ball uh, in Green Bay, then 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 it stands to reason they'll do the quarterback, they'll do the whole thing, and just bring it out there and put them in silver and black instead of uh, green and yellow. Yeah, and you know the only thing they'll get away from is the is the big strong arm quarterback. But you know McKenzie wants to put this organization in his style and his manner right. and move from there. And I, I think it does make a lot of sense. And Palmer. Like Hugh Jackson could be a casualty of change. Do you have a, a quarterback that finished 2011 as the starting quarterback, as the and also the assumed starter of 2012 that you think will not be the starter once 2012 actually hits? Like you know I'm, that I'm throwing. That, that, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll, I mean, uh, uh, Cobb, for instance, Tavares Jackson, Christian Ponder. These are all guys that are out there right now. Um, I, I think 
really the only place that you would have to really wonder where is all this change going to occur would be in New York. I mean, Mark Sanchez, even though he's been given the, the stay of execution by everybody in front of the press, but so is Brian Schottenheimer, and now he's no longer on the staff. So, uh, you know, I think anything that's said in New York right now in Florham Park, you'd have to take with a grain of salt. Tavares, interesting because they're not going to be able to get somebody in there as high. They could be a Matt Flynn player as well, but I think Pete Carroll made it clear he'd like to go two more years. He'd like to go another year with Tavares Jackson in there. Christian Ponder, the Vikings have really basically they've Rick Spielman's now the general manager. Right. He's the one who picked Christian Ponder. They have to go in that direction. So, you know, New York's a team to keep an eye on in terms of where they are. And also, I think Matt Castle in Kansas City, what they do with their offense and who Romeo Cornell wants to do when he decides to make some changes in, in terms of his experience as a head coach. Now, I mean, you mentioned the Jets. Uh, I, I, let's spend a few minutes here because um, the report uh, uh, out of the New York Daily News, uh, Manish Mehta, one of the uh, top uh, beat writers on the Jets beat, uh, it was a, a, a an article laden with uh, unnamed quotes and sources. No one wanted to put their name to it. But, I mean, Sanchez was put on absolute, complete full blast in this article. Uh, one, pers- one, one source called him lazy, uh, coddled, and... Um, and, and and you just have to wonder, even with all that, you think that they would move on from Sanchez in 2012? Just move on from and take the whole clean break here. Well, I think you know the, the the answer to that would be finish the sentence. Move on to who? Matt Flynn. You know they don't have any cap room, and they would take a huge cap hit. Their cap is very snug right now in terms right. of what they've done. Let's just go over it. If they keep Santana Holmes on their roster this year, he's guaranteed money the following season. So they're playing with fire there, and they've guaranteed Bart Scott. Even though they said goodbye to him, now they've sent out a press release saying hello to him because they realize they have a four million dollar guarantee well, and he can't I mean, go anywhere. That's the whole thing. Also, what's going on in New York? And, and you know this well, too, uh, dealing with the media. I mean, there's blood in the water, certainly with unnamed sources and everybody reporting about what's going on behind the scenes. But uh, Mike Tannenbaum and Rex Ryan, the day after losing to the Miami Dolphins, essentially said Schottenheimer is going to be here unless he gets a head coaching job somewhere else. And then the minute he doesn't get the one type of job that was up for, the head coaching job with Jacksonville, within minutes – a press release is sent out from Schottenheimer with quotes, essentially him saying he's stepping down and moving on and he's looking at other jobs elsewhere. There's no question that when that press conference was taking place on that Monday that everybody knew that this was going to happen, correct? No question. In fact, Tony Sperano had been... Uh, uh had been, you know, essentially done in in New York for almost six to seven days now. Everybody knew that as well. I think if you go back and read a column I wrote two weeks ago about the Jets and about how much they talk and how Rex Ryan shouldn't really be, he's the guy who calls Wolf too many times. I wrote in that column that Brian Schottenheimer went back. It was the worst kept secret, you know, that Brian Schottenheimer was coming. He never was coming back. What's the point of that? Were they just trying to boost up his ability to get a job? They were trying to help Brian Schottenheimer out, but the reality is I don't think they did. I don't think they did. But instead, they, instead, they, the, everybody in the media is wondering about what's coming out of their mouths and what they could take at face value or not, which makes things even worse in that market, obviously, or any market. But that said, Sperano coming in and maybe Todd Haley to join, those two people don't sound to me like coddlers, you know? And yeah. and, and they are going to come in. I, I mean, it, it may be a whole brand new world for Mark Sanchez starting next week. 
Well, it'll be difficult because they can't really make any changes by the structure of their cap and the, the contracts that they've done. It's going to be very difficult to, for them to make a lot of changes to the roster and changes to their team. They're in gridlock as well. Remember, as you said earlier, the cap's not going up. So it's going to be very difficult to, to, to do those things. I think, you know, Todd Haley, I'm told, will go back to Arizona, won't go to the Jets. That's what it appears like. But we'll see as we move forward. I mean, Sperano's is the offensive coordinator, so I don't know if Todd Haley would want to come in and then have to work for somebody. He could go to Arizona and do that in a system that he's comfortable huh. with in an area of the country that he's more comfortable with. And so that's, that is uh, an indication to Jet fans that this is the ground and pound. That is it. The, the days of Sanchez even remotely sniffing 40 attempts in a game, let alone 59, uh, over. Is that, what, is that what we should read I think in that? So. I, think, I think there's no question, and, and it's going to be interesting to see if they can put enough pieces around them and how that offensive line is going to play with Tony Sperano as now the coach. Mm-hmm. So it, it, there's a lot of things going on. One thing I think we see clearly from New York is there doesn't seem to be a lot of leadership. It seems to be a dysfunctional organization. And I think I said this on the podcast before. Someone in the building told me that it, it's worse than the Raiders ever was. And, you no, know, and, really? and that's just from somebody in the building. And so wow. I think there's a lot of confusion because there's really no direct answer. There's a lot of things going on, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of, uh, of honesty coming out. And I think the players have to understand that as well. Remember, you know, they were told Santana Holmes was coming back by Rex and by the general manager. However, that being said, all the players said he ruined their season. So there's a disconnect that I think is going to have to take some time to rebuild. But then again, as uh, just to bring it full circle, what, what they say in, in the press and the public <laughs> may, may be completely... I don't know why they have them, Rich. I really don't. Nobody be, believes them com- anyway. It's completely different from what they're doing. Because, the, again, for, for Schottenheimer to not get the job with Jacksonville and then moments later have a release with all sorts of quotes thanking the Jets for for the opportunity uh, come out within minutes and then the next day Tony Sperano um, is the offensive coordinator it's a fascinating uh, chain of events that strains credulity credulity actually is the word it just strains the uh, believability let's put it that way that uh, that something like that could fall into place within two seconds worth so you, you, you never know well, you know, as I said, I mean, this was done with Sperano six, seven days ago. This whole charade with, with Schottenheimer was uh, just a charade. And, you know, maybe Brian will land on his feet. Alabama is, a, is a certainly a good destination point for him. He's talking to go in there. Uh, he's got a relationship with the offensive line coach at Alabama, Joe Pendry. He and his father, Marty, were together on the Cleveland staff. So there's, there's, there's certainly things in place there. And it's an attractable, it's attractive job in Alabama where he can kind of get away and maybe rebuild his career and perhaps become a college head coach. So Jason Taylor, former Jet, blows up a couple of plays on Sanchez, ending the Jet season uh, and his career on top, and Schottenheimer's out, replaced by the Miami Dolphins head coach that was blown out in the middle of the season. That's the way basically this thing goes. That's how these That's things the work. That's the way it for, goes. For all the things, all the bad things that Sperano said about the Jets, he has to take back now. That's right. Uh, real quick, before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to replace the Steelers in your bracket. You were talking about how the, yeah. the Steelers uh, could were going to make the Super Bowl, and, and you, just like everybody else who made picks like that, assumed Big Ben would be healthy enough to take them there. We saw in the, the wild card game that it took about three plus quarters for that ankle to uh, warm up to have the Big Ben uh, extending play type Big Ben return. He's out. Tebow moves on with the Denver Broncos to the Miami, to the New England Patriots. Who do you take out of the AFC now that the Steelers are on the sideline? Uh, I, I'm going to take I'm going to take uh, Houston. Uh, I, well, I've got Baltimore. I had Baltimore playing uh, Pittsburgh, correct? Yes, you did. 
let's go Baltimore playing uh, Denver. Let's give Tebow one more week, and uh, and I'll go Baltimore as the, as the winner there. You think the Denver Broncos go into New England on Saturday night and beat Tom Brady and make them the Patriots one and done? I don't like to jinx New England. I don't want to jinx them, you know? <laughs> so you're, you're, you're saying the AFC Championship game is Denver at, at Baltimore? No, let me let me take that back. I think New England will beat the game. I okay. think New England it'll be New England Baltimore, and I'll still stay with Baltimore on the pick to beat New England. Because I I I I, I'm, I'm I don't a, think Tom Brady's going to lose three home playoff games in a row. Could you imagine? That would be three one and done games in a row. In Gillette. I don't think so. I don't think he can do that. But if Tom Brady, if 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 the Broncos win Saturday night, and Tim Tebow is 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 a major reason why, which we assume they'd ha- he'd have to be. I don't. I don't even think the the national media. We would not be able to control ourselves. We. I think we would all have to wear depends. You know, that Saturday no night in case. I, I don't know how we would. And all people who are sick and tired about hearing Tebow and all that stuff, they'd have to go in hiding for a week. I mean, I don't even know how. I can't even put a sentence together thinking about the, the possibility. It's amazing of that. what one win can do. There's a team coming off a three-game losing streak, and all it took was one win against a really injured. We didn't realize this when we did the podcast the last time, but right. I'm not sure the Steelers could have even gone to New England next week as beat up as they were. No, they, uh, they, they wouldn't have Kiesel. They wouldn't have Hampton. No, this um, was a, really a depleted team. Huh, unbelievable. So you'll take the Ravens against who? You're going to still stick with the. Uh, I'll stick with New England. I'll go Ravens against New England. You'll go Ravens against New England and against who in, in the NFC? You're going to stick around. I'll give you. A, I'll stay I'll, with what I have. I, I think I was correct on those. Yes, you were. Okay. All I right. was three and one last week. I'll stay with that. There you were. Okay. Hey, Michael. Thanks very thanks, much. Rich. Appreciate it. Uh, bye bye. You bet. That's Michael Lombardi calling from the set of uh, Inside the NFL on Showtime here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Pleased to have back on the podcast now, presented by Bud Light, the winningest coach in New Orleans Saints history, and also. The unofficial, the 3-2. Pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Bud Light, the winningest head coach in St. History, and also the official movie reviewer of the Rich Eisen podcast, just in time for the Golden Globes this weekend, Jim Mora, joining us from New Orleans. How are you, Jim? Hello, Rich. How are you doing? I think that winningest coach thing's about to lose its... Uh... I'm, I, a couple no. more seasons, and I think Sean Payton's going to surpass me. A little bit but more, anyway, little yeah, bit more okay. than a couple seasons. You've got 93 wins. He hasn't even cracked 50 regular seasons. So I think you're safe for a while, Coach. All right, all right. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, what do you? What do you, what do you? Give me the sense of that town. You've been there for a few days now. Um, I know well, that. I know that they're. I know that they're doing. Sure. What What do you got? Yeah, oh yeah, the the national championship, right? Well, yeah, they had they had the Sugar Bowl, you know, early last week, and then yes. the, then the Saints playoff game Saturday night, and then the BCS championship game last night. So it's been it's been hectic. It's been a lot of people in here. Uh, of course, a lot of people with red uh, jerseys celebrating last night and this morning after that BCS game. But I don't know if you watched it or not. Sure I did. was there, but uh, it was kind of a. A bummer as far as LSU is concerned, but uh, <laughs> right. Alabama people are fired up. But I'll tell you what, these people down here, these Southern people, they, they love their football. And it was exciting just to be around the whole environment last night. But what is the and, sense of that town right now, Jim, about the Saints? What is the sense in New Orleans right now with a team that is playing so well at home, so well overall, nine straight wins? They blew the doors off the lines in the second half, but now they've got to go to San Francisco where the 49ers have that stout defense, that stout running game that might be able to keep Drew Brees standing on the sideline. What is the sense there in New Orleans as the Saints get set for a big road playoff? 
Well, you know, they love this team, and they always have, and, and they, they believe in this team. And, and I'll tell you what most people are talking about. Here's what they're talking about. They think they're going to beat 49ers, although, you know, they're concerned that they're going to have to go play on grass outside where they've been so successful here at home in the Dome on AstroTurf, whether or not a factor. It could be a factor out there. They're concerned about that, and they know that the 49ers have a, a great defense and a good running game, but they – they, they have so much confidence in this team and how they're playing and how that offense is playing in particular that, that they're, they're, they're thinking that they're going to win the game. And, and what they're really hoping for is for the Giants to go up to Green Bay and beat them so now they would play the Giants at home in another week, you know what I mean, for the sure. NFC Championship. And that, a lot of the talk is about that. It's not like they're assuming they're going to win in San Francisco, but – a lot of people believe the Giants can go beat Green Bay. Now, yeah, we're going to be playing home in a couple of weeks against the, uh, against the Giants. And that's, you know, they've been so successful at home. That's a lot of the buzz is about that. Do you think they will be successful in San Francisco, Jim? Yes, I do. I think they're going to be successful. They're not going to score 40-some points, I don't think, like they have done the last few weeks. I mean, they, you know, every time they go out on the field, their offense sets records. Uh, but I, I, I think they're going to face a really, really good defense and, and a really good running game that, that's going to keep uh, their offense off the field a little bit. But I just don't think that uh, they're going to score some points. I don't care who they play. They're going to score some points. And I, I just don't think that the 49ers can match them as far as points are concerned. And, you know, the 49ers defense has given up some big plays in the passing game, and the Saints are certainly capable of doing that. And I I just think they're going to be too much for the 49ers. Yeah, the, we saw the 49ers and, and, give up that yeah. uh, that uh, touchdown pass to Jesse Holly in week number two in the uh, in the overtime right. loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Do you think, though, that the Saints do get their wish, that the Giants do somehow go into Lambeau Field and knock off Green Bay, or do you think the Saints are going to return to Lambeau Field like they played in week number one for the NFC Championship? Rich, I think that the Packers are going to beat the Giants. Now, I know anything's possible, and I know the Giants are playing really well right now, and I think they're capable of doing it, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think Green Bay is going to beat the Giants, and I think the Saints are going to beat the 49ers, and the Saints are going to have to go to Green Bay and play for the NFC Championship. That's my feeling. And then who goes to the Super Bowl from the NFC? Ooh, baby. Uh-huh. I'm sitting here in New Orleans, you know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking the Saints. Okay. I hear you. I'm picking the Saints. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm All right. I'll take Saints. that. I'll take that. So uh, the college uh, football game, you attended the national championship game in, in New Orleans, seeing uh, LSU play Alabama. And now you've got a, a, a new rooting interest in the college game. Do you not, Coach? Right. I, I sure do. Uh, in fact, I talked to my son Jim this morning. And uh, he's all fired up recruiting, hiring coaches and all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, I was standing on the sidelines last night when these two teams, Alabama and LSU, were warming up. And I was so impressed with the, with the way that uh, the talent level that these two teams have. I mean, they, they got some good-looking football players and not just the starters. But I'm standing there kind of in the corner of the end zone, and the, and the Alabama team, their, their eight tight ends came over. to, to, to They were doing their – pregame stuff mm-hmm. all eight of those guys look like you know like they could play in the nfl almost just physically they got some really good looking football players especially defensively on both these teams but uh, it was a it was a bad offensive night for the lsu tigers they yeah. were inept offensively do, do you yeah. remember the ucla fight song jim 
No. You don't remember that? Okay. No, do you? <laughs> I don't remember. Well, I'm just wondering, you know, because you're going to have to know it now with your no. son, uh, head coach of, of UCLA. I don't have to know it. Well, I mean, I don't it, have to know it. Well, if he, if he is now going to be the king of Los Angeles, which I'm sure he'd like to be, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps he can get you some quality tickets to the Golden Globes this weekend. What do you think? Ooh, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah, that, I'd like that. You know, we, you know, you know, uh, you know. I live out in Palm Desert. Yeah. And and you know that Palm Springs movie festival is becoming that's right has becoming uh, become a really big deal. And I was gone. They had it this past weekend. Yeah. And they had a bunch of big timers out there. I wasn't there, but uh, I'd like to just go to that. Yeah. But anyway, I, I, no, no, no. I mean, you were in you were you were doing your football duties there in New Orleans, and Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie showed up right. on the red carpet out there, right by your house. I think Clo- I think George Clooney was supposed to come out. Brad right. Pitt, Clooney, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, so I'd like to in, in our remaining time together, Jim. I'd like to for you to put on yeah. your your podcast official movie reviewer's hat, and all then and, 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 and bust out your Golden Globe uh, crystal ball. Uh, and and tell I'm us. Ready. Okay, like uh, you. Okay, I'm, I'm now okay, making. Let me ask you a sure. question. Before, yeah, go for it. Let me, okay, when you're gonna when you're gonna ask me to, to pick, you want me to th- ask you to, who I liked when I went yeah. to see these movies, what I liked, or who do I think is going to be win the award? You know, there might yeah. be a difference there. I might yeah. like a movie, but I'm thinking, well, what I'm reading, what I'm hearing, okay. that some other movie. Let's might do win both. It. Let's do both. There's no rules. There's no fast hard rules here at the podcast, Jim. I mean, I'm, I'm, let's let's do it this way. You are not only the official reviewer of the Rich Eisen podcast, but you are also. I'm I'm making you a member of the Hollywood Foreign Press just for this conversation. And the Golden Guy, you're okay, going to hand and, out. And when, you li- when you're in New Orleans, it's almost like being foreign. Okay, but anyway. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so the best, the, the motion picture no. drama, the, the nominees for the Golden Globe coming up this weekend are The Descendants, The Help, Hugo, The Ides of March, Moneyball, and War Horse. Give me the Jim Mora podcast uh, movie reviewer version of who you would give the Golden Globe to and then who you think the Hollywood Foreign Press is going to give it to. Okay, the, 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 of those, and again, when I go to a movie and when I walk out, it's like, did I just enjoy it? I mean, did I really like it? Was mm-hmm. I into it? Was it, was it interesting to me? And, and, and I, I differ a lot of times from what I think other people, you know, or what, who might win an award. But the, the, I, I, there was two movies that I really, of that group, the two that I like the best. Mm-hmm. Were, were the Ides of March and Moneyball, not necessarily in that order. But I, those two, and I liked all those. I, I, I didn't see Hugo. Okay. I didn't see Hugo, but I saw all the rest of them, and I liked them all. Mm-hmm. I liked them all. But the two, the two that I really liked were Moneyball and the Ides of March. I mean, those are the ones I said, hell, man, those are great movies. Well, who you know would you I give mean? the Golden Globe to? You can't just split well, it. I, you know who I think is going to get it? I think The Descendants is going to get it. Okay. That's who I think is going to get it. You think- yeah, and I like The Descendants. But uh, and War Horse, I liked War Horse. I thought that was a heck of a movie. I I got a little emotional even at the end of that, a little teary. Why? I don't know. The ending was great. You know, guy got. Well, we don't want to give it away, back, I guess. But kind of... yeah, but you 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 teared up at the end of War Horse. I didn't. I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have guessed that. A little that. bit, and and I, I'm an emotional guy, Rich. I I tear up in movies a lot. Is that right? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Did you tear up? Oh, at, yeah. Did you tear up? And, te- did you tear up in Moneyball when the A's lost to the Twins? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I had I had some. You know, I, I saw some things in Moneyball that I related to. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'm sure. Being a, yeah. a former coach. I'm sure the yeah, Art Howe moments coach. with uh, with with Brad Pitt, uh, Billy Bean. So again, Moneyball, Ides of March. You have to choose one. Who would you give it to? 
Moneyball. Okay, Moneyball, best yeah. motion picture drama. That's Jim uh, Jim Moore's Golden Globe. Let's uh, quickly get to the best um, the best um, motion picture musical or comedy. Fifty fifty. The artist. Bridesmaids, Midnight in Paris, My Week with Marilyn. Jim Mora's Golden Globe goes to what? Okay, I did not see 50-50 of the artist. I saw the other ones. Golden Globe, I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm going to comedy, okay? Yep. And the other, the other three I liked a lot. The two best, I thought, were, were Midnight in Paris and uh, Bridesmaids. But mm. if you talk just comedy, I'm going with Bridesmaids. I laughed like crazy in that movie. I thought it was really funny. So you loved Bride. What did you find funny about Bridesmaids? Oh, the whole thing. Those girls were great. I mean, it was just you sit, you sit down and, and, and the entire movie, you're, you're, I'm laughing. You know, it was, it was a good movie. I thought it was one of the better movies I saw all year. But you have your finger on the pulse of the Hollywood trades, though. I think the artist, right? You hear that's the buzz. For oh, yeah, it'll probably win it. It'll probably win. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to see it. My wife wants to see it. I want to see it, too. But you know, I it's, seen it, it yet. Apparently, it's a silent movie. Right. All silent. I've seen the previews. Yeah. It's all silent. The reviews, the reviews have been awesome. So what was, was there sound in the previews or was it even a silent preview? No, no sound. Really? The preview silent. was silent? Yeah. Was, was silent too, huh? Have you not seen it? I have not. No, I haven't seen anything of it, but I've heard it's silent. I just, no, it's, it, it was went. silent. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I like Bridesmaids and, and Midnight in Paris was a great movie. That was great. great. What's your favorite movie yeah. that you've seen? Uh, did you see a girl with a dragon tattoo? Did you see that? Yeah, I did. I saw it last weekend. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I read the book. I saw the Swedish version. And uh, I, I, I walked out of this one. I liked it. I think I liked the Swedish version a little bit better. Maybe it was because it was the first one I saw. Right. Uh, they changed the uh, ending in, in the second one, the, the English one, from the book. And I just, I, for some reason, I liked the Swedish one just a tad bit better, but I liked them both. And the book was great. This was pretty dark, too. pretty dark stuff, Jim. Oh, oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty explicit there. Some of those scenes. Yeah. And, and, uh, right. and, uh, the and the, the, the actress Rooney Mara, she's, she's NFL royalty. You know that? I know. I know. How about that? That name? Yeah. Rooney, yep. Rooney, Rooney and Mara, you know, that's sort, sort of like, I know. well, that, that would be like, man, that would be like, um. Naming what like your your granddaughter uh, naming ben, ben, oh, Benson Ursay, right? Wouldn't that be? <laughs> <laughs> you think any of you, think any of your kids are going to name your granddaughter I, Benson Ursay at any I, point? I could name I could name it Ben if I had a you know a grandson. There ben. you go, there you go. I don't know. What's no, your, I don't think that'll happen. In the two minutes I've got left, what's your favorite <laughs> movie you've seen in the in the in the Christmas time? What's the one that you've loved the most that you'd give zero diddly poos to? And just during the Christmas time or yeah, during just the in course recent, of the season? How about the course of the year? Give me your best picture. Jim Moore's best picture of the entire year, the one that you love the most. Oh, man, that, that's hard to do, Rich. I mean, they were all so good. All these ones you're talking about are, are really good. Uh, I'm going to go with the, with the two that, that I'd mentioned to you. I'm going to say Moneyball for the drama and, and Bridesmaids for the, for the comedy. But I, there wasn't one of those that we've talked about that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Okay, that I thought that's eh, okay. You know what I mean? I like them all. I I saw Warhorse. I saw Warhorse uh, in Bend, Oregon. Took my grandkids. Uh, Connie and I took our grandkids to see Warhorse. I thought it was a heck of a movie. I mean, all right. I, 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 I you know what? I, I love I the Ides of March too. I thought Ryan Gosling. I did too. Ryan Gosling is his, he's good in every. I saw him in Crazy Stupid Love, Drive, and uh, Ides Me of too. March. He, he's great in all of them. 
I saw all three of those movies, liked them all, and he's good. Yep. All right. I like Drive a lot. Well, maybe we should get you again. Let's get Jim on the case because, again, he's locked in in Los Angeles. Let's get you to, uh, if not the Golden Globes, the Oscars, and um, sit you next to Myla Kunis. Let's do that. What do you think? Oh, man, would I like that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, you'd bring me and her into the studio? I'd love to. I'm working on it. Don't think I'm not working on that, by the way. I'd love to do that. Well, don't forget about me. <laughs> I, hey, I'm easy. I'll come, I'll come in anytime. Yeah. Hey, Jim, thanks so much. We appreciate you joining us from New Orleans, giving us your uh, your thoughts on the, the big divisional matchups in the NFC and also on the Golden Globes. We'll see if you're right. Always a pleasure, Rich. Have a good day. Thanks. Best to Connie. Okay. Take care. That's Jim Mora Sr. joining us on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Bud Light. All right, that is it for the podcast. What a show. Should we tell everyone, Chris, who we had booked as of 48 hours ago? We're sitting here on a Wednesday. Who yeah, do we, well, we I, had I, Champ I, Bailey <laughs> mostly booked. We was an official. Champ right? Bailey, and that that was uh, mostly we it. Didn't know, we knew Wahlberg was calling, and we didn't have a time. Yeah, but then, you never know, right? I mean, schedules. I, I, it sounded like he was on a tarmac when he chatted yeah, he with just us. There was landed, a lot of background noise. He had just landed in New Orleans, and then you know we, we, we saw Jim Moore was available and the Golden Globes this week. Golden Globes. Right? Come on. We're going to work on, yeah. Brockman and I discussed getting him Oscars week, red carpet, out there. Like next to Mario Lopez. Exactly. Like have him, oh, have Jim Morris Sr. with his very sharp marine elbows get in there <laughs> and fight <laughs> and fight for that one-on-one with Viola, Viola Davis of the help. Menudo's. Right? Menudo's. Get well, in there. We know he's got some fans out there. They, they Matthew Perry wanted to take him on the red carpet with him. Wasn't that Matthew Perry? I forget. Is that right? Yeah. Matt, no, no, no. It was Jason Bateman. It was Jason yes. Bateman. Yeah, you're yes. right. He was. Bateman wanted Jim Morris Sr. To come on the red carpet yeah. with him. Jim Morris Sr. is very popular, as we know. So the only problem so is it's combine week. Like get, you want a credential yes. senior for and stick him on the red carpet. Take a camera down there. Microphone, and shoot it. camera. Right. And and he can go and he can go and he can go ask Glenn Close what she's wearing. Right. <laughs> that would be great. Dude, that. how do we not do that is the question. I, right? I'm There's no reason great. not to do this. Well, the only issue is it's always Sunday. Sunday. Oscar Sunday is always Combine Sunday. Oh, right. Yeah. So we're all going to be in Indianapolis. Yes. Yes. yes we so are. we got to find somebody experienced enough to send Senior there and stand with him and make sure he does, you know. And someone has the chops to wrangle Senior worm. in in case he goes, Warren? Worm. If I nominate no worm. Chance. worm. Worm. No way. <laughs> wow. Could you imagine Worm? I cannot imagine Worm <laughs> and. On the red carpet together. We would, we yeah, Worm. we'd have our credentials revoked. Oh my yeah, god, we would not be invited back to, to the Kodak Theater <laughs> yeah. anytime yeah, soon. We would, yeah, that's right. Until Rooney Mara wins her eighth Oscar in twenty four forty, you know. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. That would be good. We'll, let's, we'll take it up phenomenal. the chart. Let's, let's do it. He'd be phenomenal on the red carpet. Let's do it. Let, we've got we've got six weeks to make that happen, right? We've got, we've got time. It's always Combine Sunday. Now, have you guys always been part of our Oscar party on, on Combine Sunday? I have. The viewing? Yeah. Was, well, last year was my first Combine. So. Mooch so you always wins every – I think he seriously – Mooch has – Mooch has, he has, an with Deloitte and Mooch has somebody, Mooch has somebody yeah. who is very high-ranking yeah. in the in the movie industry here uh, in town. Can, yeah. Now, I do too, though. Yeah, but – I do too. Let me tell you something. I know somebody in this town who is – who is the guru when it comes to tracking films. 
he knows almost to the freaking penny what Does a movie's going so to make the you week have before. A, you have a ringer helping you out too. Yes, we're all involved. Yes, in this. well, you Xander tell me. You tell count. me what best foreign animated short is going to win. I have no idea. That's Somebody's got to have some insider That's buzz true. on some of these things because, as you know, as you know, in an Oscar pool, it's not getting best picture supporting. No, it's right, those extra. Ones. You got to get those small ones. You got to. Yeah. You got to focus. Lighting. And, Right? Makeup is right. one of the hardest. Those right. are pool yeah. winning picks. That's, how you that's, win. that's true, though. That is. It's like that's fantasy what makes football. that's it's what it's not your no, it's that that third any, running back. Yeah. Any Jamoke who half pays attention to this right. stuff knows that th- there's a certain buzz for a supporting exactly. actor or actress, yep. right? Yep. You just don't know like animated what that short right. film, like no clue. Costuming, right? Yeah. Nobody knows that. So, you need that's that's why I, that's where I turn. And I've been getting my ass handed to me by Mooch every year. <laughs> and I email this guy. I'm like, you are supposed to be in the know. What is up? He wins like best, like if they had just this, like best sound mixing for a short animated film that was shot in eight millimeter. Right. Mooch would get that right. Rich, me and source. you have no, yeah. Like, where, yeah. Hold on. Your source, if we were to hear his name, is it somebody we know or no. is this in, no. uh, behind the curtain no. guy? No, he he's, a high ranking so, executive. Still, got it, yeah. got it. he's a high-ranking executive. He's a high-ranking executive. And some people, some people who have heard me describe him probably know who he is, because he is he is he is a guru on knowing. Like you ask him, how is a movie tracking? He knows it's good, it's bad, where it's going to play well, where it's not going to play well. The domestic, foreign knows it almost to the penny. People who don't even have films coming out, like it's not even his studio, will call him up and say, "How do you think my film's going to do?" I mean, he's the go-to guy. Nice. So I go to him. And Mooch is beating Rich. So and like, Mooch is like, beating me. We're not talking like... I don't know who Mooch... Mooch may have somebody in with the Academy. Like, I'm or Deloitte worse. Tooch. Worse. Deloitte Deloitte and Tooch. Tooch. Price Waterhouse Cooper. Right. Price Waterhouse. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Price he knows an accountant. Yes. He is friends with an accountant that's stuffing so, the mouth. He's got somebody steaming open envelopes. <laughs> so since you, since David you brought a combine, do we have other business to attend to there? What's going on with uh, our guy Sapp and uh, Barkley? Are we going to try and Oh, light a we want there? that 40. I, I'm always focused on my oh. 40. I don't, uh, whatever Richie, else happens is over somebody else's zone. business. Barkley's I gotta, dropped 40 pounds, though. That's going to make the race. That doesn't matter. I just got to focus on me. And should you remember who picked Charles Barkley in that race? Who did? At the did three minute, sixteen me? second mark. I took Sap. Yeah. I took Sap. I think Sap. All right. Wow. Good chat with you guys. I love having my guys back together. Next to week, Chris Collinsworth's on the podcast. Josh Charles is scheduled to reappear. He's a big Raven fan uh, from The Good Wife. A few other logs in the fire. Well, I'm, 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 you know, I, I hesitate to, to book celebs. You know, at least with, with Wahlberg, I knew for sure he'd be coming on with his Patriots playing coming up. There is no guarantee. Like, like Charles, Josh could come on off of a stunning Texans win. There is no – I mean, it's not likely, but it's possible. So if the Ravens lose this week, Josh Charles is going to be pretty down. There's no yes. way I can bring up his role as the uh, weenie cart driver from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Well, uh, I hate to break this news to you, Chris. Even if the Ravens win, you can't bring that up to him. <laughs> win win or lose, you can't movie. bring that one up. Sorry, bud. Is there a, is there a celebrity who's a big Broncos fan? There has to be. Should you know? Should Tebow pull it that's off? That's the beauty of this thing, and I, I, that's what I love about this podcast is there is no question. There is no question. There is uh, a celebrity that everybody knows about for every single one of the thirty-two NFL teams. Right. No doubt. No doubt. We got an interesting one we're working on for the Niners. Hopefully, it'll happen. Okay. Just a, just a little. All right. Just You're little. just throwing it out there. Ooh, wow. We'll see. All right. 
Um, thank you, Mike Del Tufo. Thank you, Chris Law. Thank you, Chris Brockman. Thanks, yep. all of you, for downloading this podcast. Um, more fun to come. Who knows what's going to happen this divisional weekend? It is so awesome and exciting. I can't wait. Every single game is is rife with storylines. And if Tebow and the Broncos win again, as I told Lombardi, uh, we in the national media will collectively wet ourselves. And I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to deny that fact. That's the truth. <laughs> I, don't even, I couldn't even comprehend it. I mean, you could barely get a sentence out on game day final. Yeah, and, and Dion gave me sort of grief for it, but I, I, I think I was verbalizing what most people were thinking. I, I think mean, that, I, I wish I, you could have measured the vertical of me when I jumped off my couch. Well, because you're excited. Be careful what you wish for, brother. Twitter, Twitter blew up when that happened. Oh, yeah, so Twitter almost broke. Insane. Actually, I think Twitter beat broke. The, beat yeah. the royal wedding. Yeah, I don't know. Who, I don't know. How does Ravel get these stats? I have no idea he how he gets them these. Up. Yeah, he, how does he, he get these stats? Up. I have no idea what stats. But the Wall Street Journal had something out there too about how many times Tebow's name was mentioned, how many times it was misspelled as well. I don't know how they got these things. Uh, but anyway, yeah, be careful what you wish for, Brockman. You got it. Be careful. Same yeah. with same with Wahlberg. You never know. Yeah. Never, I, never I'm, know. I'm picking them to, to beat them. And I Tebow will. is the I'll king, the reigning king of you never know. The reigning king and champion of you never know. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. This is Rich Eisen for the podcast signing off. Stay listening. 